Hi there, and welcome to Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. Today we'll hear a conversation with actors Melissa McCarthy and Ben Falcone about Can You Ever Forgive Me, moderated by Scott Mance and recorded during the film's opening weekend at the Landmark in Los Angeles. Hi, everybody. <laughs> my, name is, uh, my name is Scott Mance. And what did you think of Can You Ever Forgive Me? Mm. Uh, we have a very, very special, very special screening, and this is so exciting. I couldn't wait to, to, to moderate a, a Q&A for this film. Uh, tonight it's happening, and it's going to be really, really great. Please welcome one of the stars of Can You Ever Forgive Me, and he is not a U.S. Marshal. Uh, please welcome Ben Falcone. <laughs> I will see right there, my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, giving the performance of her career, please give it up for Melissa McCarthy. short tether. I can't, I can't sit down. And it serves me right. <laughs> there we Great go. Great sweaters, it's all by the way. It's fine, guys. You're, we're going to need a bigger boat and the Beatles. Come on. Let's go. Okay, well, well, first of all, so so this film, really, I mean, Ben, this, 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 this started with you? What's that? This movie, it, it, it started... I'm sorry. <laughs> it started um, with you. Well, it did. Well, um... I did a movie called Enough Said with uh, Nicole Holof Center, who uh, co-wrote this movie and then wrote and directed a bunch of great movies, one of which was uh, Enough Said. And uh, she sent me the script for this, and I thought, oh, wow, this is so great. And we were supposed to do it, um, and I was going to be the same role. And then Melissa read it and was like, oh, man, I'd love to do that. <laughs> and um, then that movie fell apart, uh, and then later... Melissa agreed to do it, and I, then I wormed my way into Ben's movie. Um, but I, I kind of—it's funny. I read it, and um, once it wasn't happening, and you know, films fall apart for a million different reasons all the time, and there's a schedule and a thousand different reasons. And I—I I just found myself not being able to let Lee go. And I knew, as a, an audience member, is all I was kind of thinking at the time. I just thought, oh, I want to. I think I need to see her story. And I didn't know why I didn't already know who Lee Israel was. And then, you know, three weeks would go by and I'd say, what's happening with that? Like, and what's I was like, it, it definitely fell apart. It's gone. And I was kind of blaming him. I'm like, what? But it has to be told. Like, somebody has to do it. And it didn't go away. And then finally I realized, like, oh, I think I have a strange tether to her. And I, I kind of fell in love with her. What was it about Lee that you fell in love with that you kept checking back in on this film? I, I think I always have a real affinity for someone who absolutely stands in their own shoes. And even even though Lee did not make things easier for herself, she was exactly who she was. She didn't care what people thought of her. She didn't want people or need people to like her. I think especially today when I do feel like so many people look to have their own self-worth reflected back from people. 
of like, look at, do you like my vacation? <laughs> or do you like how I stood in line at Starbucks? Which, by the way, no one wants to watch you stand in line for Starbucks. That's just, maybe that's just me, but no one wants to watch you do that. Um, and I just love that it wasn't an easier path for her, but I, I thought, boy, that's something that I think I'll be a little bit better for having walked in her shoes. You know, the irony of, of Lee is, you know, she... She was trying to write about a subject that her her agent Elise said that no one was really uh, big in big in on. But then, then you know she was kind of hitting like a writer's block on other things, and she finds her voice in these forgeries. She was she was really good at it. She was a great writer. Oh, she was an amazing writer. I mean, to to be writing as Dorothy Parker Parker in Noel Coward and the like the greatest writers we've known. And to be doing it as well, if not better. I mean, there's lines and there's turns of phrases. And I know what she did is wrong. However, I'm always a little bit like... She doesn't totally know that it's wrong. I'm 100% for, like, we're all better for having some of those lines conjured by her. And I just think, you know, she was... It's funny. At first, I had a, a very interesting thing of we're so we're so different. I didn't know why I was so attracted to who she was, just that I'm more, I'm much more outward, and she really kind of cocooned in and like kept people from her by, by just like I always thought if she just stayed still long enough, like she could get people to go away. <laughs> Where I'm always like, hi, like. But then you know, I thought we, before we were even shooting, I suddenly realized like, oh, we're incredibly similar. Like we spend our lives doing the same thing. I live vicariously through all these amazing women. I'm stronger, I'm smarter, I'm nicer, I'm more interesting through, because I get to be other people, I get to have six to eight weeks, in this case, 28 days, which seems insane. I know. That seems like I've gone crazy, right? I like you gave this to 28 days. Hey, and then I do this, you know, and Lee does the same thing. She didn't want a show pony. She she just kept saying, why isn't my writing enough? Why do I have to be, you know, the, the dancing author behind it? And she lived and could be all of these amazing things. And her real wit and intelligence came out while she lived through other people. So I'm like, we are we are so similar in, in a big part of our lives. Melissa doesn't commit felonies. <laughs> that anyone knows of. <laughs> and 13 to 18 years old doesn't count. When, uh, you know, as you started doing more of the forgeries, you know, I, I think everybody, you know, we're all like, okay, it's, it's only a matter of time. And then, she, you know, she gets that call from the books. Yeah, we, I need you to come in. And you, everyone's like, oh, shit, you know. <laughs> but uh, so Marielle Heller, who yeah. directed this film, was she attached to direct it? Back when things started percolating. No, that was uh, Nicole was going to do it, and then that then it fell apart, and Nicole went on to do something else, and then um, Marielle Heller um, came on board, who's obviously uh, an incredible director. So uh, when Melissa said, "Oh, I should maybe get in," I was like, "Oh my god, yeah!" Like, and then she said, "Oh, it's going to be in New York. I have to be gone." I was like, "Eee," but <laughs> yeah, and Mari is able to her first. Like both films she's done, the fact that this is only her second feature, um, I know, is is she's able to take very difficult subject matters and very difficult, tricky people and seemingly not pass any judgment. 
Like yeah. Richard and I, Richard Jenkins. Uh, Richard Jenkins. Richard That's a completely <laughs> different. Uh, He's not in the film. God, I wish he was here. Uh, I wish he was here to hear that because I, I would never hear the end of it. I'll call him later and tell him I said his name wrong. He'll just clobber me. Um, Richard E. Grant, who is, I mean, his work is so beautiful in this, but, uh, you know, we are not l- likable people per se, even though I fell in love with both of them, and I think you do, but you end up rooting for them. Yeah, you do. There's nothing palpable other than I think they all have what all of us feel, is that we all feel on the outside. Sometimes we all feel like, why me? Why can't I get ahead? Why doesn't it just work? And like all of that is what we drew me to them, but I think Mari is able to handle that so deftly and not have to expect that the audience like them right up front. I think we hear that so much from the studios and from from people making films. There's a panic about the audience not immediately liking a character. And I think, well, I am the audience. I go all the time and I love when I have to kind of find out why I like them. And I, th- I think uh, she did that beautifully. I, I also think that the uh, because there are sort of misfits and loners who find each other, uh, you know, they, they, they connect. And it's nice to see two people who are having a hard time connecting uh, for completely different reasons on their own. They connect with each other and, and sort of go off on this, you know, somewhat illegal journey together. Uh, it's totally but. illegal. It's not somewhat illegal. Um, it's like a I'm not here. Tomato, I'm just a tomato. devil's advocate. I mean, I'm just saying it was all very illegal. But, but seriously, I mean... Not really. Like, whatever. You know, you, you the when when you made this movie four years ago, uh, it's a gem of a film called Saint Vincent, with Bill Murray, uh, directed by Ted Melfi. Uh, that was such a great balance of comedy and drama. And this film, uh, you lean much more heavily towards the drama. Although, I mean, she's got good one-liners and she has some funny moments. But it is a little bit more of a drama. Did you see this as a departure or sort of a a full circle for you from what you were doing early in your career in theater? Um, I, I never think about that. I don't know if I should. Um, I, it, it, to me, it's, it seems no different to do a comedy or a drama or something that lies in the great messy in-betweens. I always think, do I, do I have some love and affinity for this character and do I love the story? And then there's no difference in how you prepare for that, I don't think. Um, no, I, I mean, <clears throat> having had the great pleasure of uh, watching, Mel- you know, I directed uh, some of Melissa's movies, and th- those have been comedies, and, and she's real in every single take. So we're then trying to pick which take, you know, we screen it for audiences like yourselves, and in, in uh, it's, it's not the same as screening a drama, uh, where, because we, we need people to laugh. Because it's a comedy, um, but then you know people be like, Ugh. you know, they'll they'll say questions to Melissa constantly, like, this departure for you. I mean, this is, <laughs> and it's like, no, she's always a character, and I watch her, and I watch her in these rooms, and I sit in an editing room. I'm in I'm in post right now, and she's she's tremendous, you know, and 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 so to watch her get to do something where uh, she doesn't have the burden of then also needing to make sure if every you know moment 
is hitting you know the funny bone of the audience is is is, uh, is I think just a luxury. But but you're always uh, you know if I may I um, <laughs> she's she's just always a great actor no matter if it's comedy or drama and and I personally wish that the critics would uh, recognize that and give comedies a break. I like you too. So this is the first time you're you're playing a real life character, sort of. Well, yes, yes sort yes. of. I, I know what you're getting at. Yes. <laughs> I don't think the other one is real, so we'll just. Yes, it is, and there is an added pressure to that for sure. But this is also like when you think, oh, you're playing a real life character. Sometimes actors get to play characters who've been written about a lot, or there's been a lot of video of them or audio, whatever. But not not with Lee Israel. Did you did you find it harder to to play her because of what limited stuff you had on her? Or was it sort of liberating that you could fill in the blanks? I think both. I think initially I thought initially I worried about how how close do you want to get? I, I I'm not someone who can can like imitate someone. I don't think that's what. I do. You should um, see her do it like an Australian accent. It's horrifying. It's terrible. Good day. Um, and that's it. That's like the extent of it. I just keep saying it. Um, but it was funny. True to who Lee was, you can't find out anything. There's hardly any photos. There's even less video. I mean, it was also delightfully before we felt the need to document every moment of our lives and Lee didn't want it she wanted her work to be talked about and that stood for what she did she didn't want the light to be on her um and so going into that I thought well where do I now I'm just going off the script that luckily was so incredible and I thought gave me every clue I needed I mean that script I felt it all and then uh, the real big bonus, we had two of our producers that knew her quite well. Yeah, well, uh, David Yarnell, who knew her for 20 years, he was actually a big, m the main reason that she actually finally wrote her memoir, which he said <laughs> she was a total pain in the ass to get to do, because she didn't want to write about herself, and it took years of him you know, poking and prodding, and she finally did it. But um, so I would just kind of always saddle up to them and they'd tell stories and every story was always difficult. And then something would happen where like by the end you're like, yeah, that's really terrible she said that, but like it's kind of a great line. <laughs> like when she eviscerated you or, or uh, Anne Carey, who knew her for 10, was a big part of her allowing us to take this book and become uh, have it become a, a film. She worked on with her for 10 years, and she said that Lee would meet her often for dinner. Lee was always there first. And uh, they'd have dinner, they'd talk about it, and the second it was done, she'd get up and she was out the door. <laughs> and then the bill would come. And then, <laughs> and then Anne said she would realize that Lee always got there early to have like two or three drinks before Anne got there, put it on her bill, and was like, bye, thanks. And then like out the door, which I just thought, Maybe not the greatest, but I, I loved her for it anyway. So I, I really always look to them to, to be like, am I, am I on the right path? Am I, you know, am I going in the right direction? And as long as they thought so, they had such a, a good relationship with her that I, I felt okay to do it. it. It did kind of free me up. Well, the other thing about, about the chemistry between 
between you and, and Richard E. Grant, which was definitely a key point of this movie, is the, the relationship that they have, the, the bond, the, the way they help each other and elevate each other in the wrong direction. Um, but tell me about working with Dolly Wells. She was lovely in this movie. She was so, so heartbreaking. She's so great. I have a, which this will make me sound crazy, but every, and I've seen, I've seen the film quite a few times now, and every time it gets to the point when we're leaving the restaurant, I still every time go like, <gasps> and I'm like, oh, I hope they work it out. <laughs> like I want them, I want them to be, I was like, you're so close. They're so good for each other. They could be, like I want them to, I want them to like fall in love and get portraits done and hang them on the wall and like I want all of that weird stuff. And every time I talk to Dolly, I'm like, I always wish we would have worked it out. And she's like, I know, but she's so. I mean, she's such a funny, amazing woman, but her quiet, lovely, um, almost childlike work in this movie was just. It is innocent. It's truly innocent. Where you just never think anything but the best in people, even when they're not really even presenting that. It's like, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing to see that it still exists. Yeah, you, you said you've had seen the film a few times. I know one of those times was at the Telluride Film Festival in uh, September because I sat three rows in front of you. And uh, what was that like to see this movie there? Crazy. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very strange, lovely, terrifying feeling to first kind of put a movie out there, especially you, I think with all films, you become so close and I get so protective of, you know, the characters and these great women I get to play, if real or conjured. To me, they're, by the time we're shooting, they're 100% real and I, I do feel responsible for them. I think I was really surprised to hear the amount of laughter. And at first I thought, oh, I did something wrong. Like, I don't think they're supposed to be laughing. I, I think I messed up. But then I thought, well, wait, I find Lee incredibly funny. And her wit was like, I mean, it's how she thought and her sharpness. And then I thought, oh, I think they're all liking her. And, you know, Richard comes on screen, and I feel like there's... Richard in life has, like, lightning beams coming out of him. He's just... He really is like that. Like, he's... The room is always better when Richard enters. Like, it just is as, as a human. And I think you see all of his heart in that troubled character. May I tell a quick story about Richard? <laughs> Please do. <laughs> I don't um, <clears throat> get to act as much as I'd like to um, these days but, but, because I'm doing other things that are great and fun. Um, I, so I got to act in this movie. I think I worked for two days, maybe. And my first scene was with Richard. And um, I'm used to, you know, Melissa produces our movies too. So we sort of like, we walk through our rehearsals and we're kind of like just trying to figure out where the camera goes and, and, and what we're going to do next and, you know, walk through it. And I'm like, okay, you know, and, you know, I know Melissa knows her stuff so well that it's, it's never a question of, yeah, and I don't have to be in the scene. So I'm like, oh, it's her problem. Um, <laughs> and so, but I, I sort of approached that uh, the, the scene I had to do with Richard, uh, like that, and and he, uh, so Mari goes, okay, so just, you know, start rehearsing whatever you want, and he goes, so, here we are, and I was like, oh, shit, I was like, I don't know my lines very well, I don't know what I'm doing, like, I gotta get my shit together, 
And so it was a, it was a real, um, it was a great eye-opening experience to be like, oh, you're not, uh, you know, director guy, you're, you're, you're an actor. And, and actors like Richard bring it. They bring it. And it was just so, like, to see the work that he did on the screen, which you guys all enjoyed, I'm hoping, as much as, as you should have. And um, to, but, but he's just that way in rehearsal. So it was, like, this an amazing thing to get to see just an A-list, amazing actor just crush it. And you're like, oh, okay, I, I can do better. So it was, it was, it was a, yeah. that's my, he, he just makes make me feel bad as up. an actor. Loving, lovingly, he makes you come up to that level because he is, so present and so in it and you without improvising because we didn't improvise a lot I mean there's like a few lines here and there Richard loves to tell that the only thing he improvises when he said Jack Hawk big cock he goes that was mine (laughs) (laughs) which was true but he loves to tell that story so I told it for you Richard um but it was still like the difference of every take and and it felt like improvising because everything was so uh, loose and also how Mari let us like be so guided and kind of taken care of, but also whatever was going to happen naturally was the right course to take. And that just doesn't, all those things to line up in such a delightful way, it, it doesn't always happen. What was it like filming again in New York or being back in New York? And so, I mean, New York is kind of like, that was the other thing that Mary Heller did so well. She made... New York, a, like a, a character in some way in this movie, just really capturing the loneliness in this big city. Well, that was my New York. I mean, I know it's crazy, but I do claim it. It's mine. I moved there in 1990 and lived there until 96, 97. So to me, when people were like, oh, it's the grittier, not as romantic New York, I was like, oh, it was so romantic to me. It was like we were all in there struggling. You, you saw it seemed real because real people could still live in Manhattan. I had six jobs and three roommates in the studio, but I'm like, we lived in Manhattan. It's still like we could do it. Um, and so well, and it's like it made me think about it. I was at Julius's. I was like, was I next to Lee? Like, did I walk by her? Did I not see her? Was she invisible to, to me in my dumb 20s where she probably was just, if we were in a room, I was like, was she just saying, I wish that girl would shut up? But... <laughs> It's like that, recreating that, it is hard to find that. And in most of the bookstores that we shot in were the real places that Lee sold these letters. And, and that was tricky to talk them into that and make sure that they knew, like, we're not, we're not you know, Mari was really um, so key to let them know we're not, we're not making this story to talk about how you got duped or that you weren't smart enough. We're saying the work was so good, none of us, like, no one knew. I mean, in Noel Cowards, I think it's at the end. Her, her her letters are in the whole first edition. Like that to me is like the greatest thing ever. But <laughs> but I mean, as they were even as they were scouting, those bookstores were closing. Like things they looked at three weeks later, they were like, "You can't shoot here because we're 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 done in two weeks." So it was like I felt like we captured this fleeting kind of mystical dinosaur of New York that. Uh, I don't know. I think it's important to see the the grit of it when it when it was still real. So I want to open up to the audience for for questions because you know we all know you love the movie so so questions. But I want to ask one more question, Jane Curtin. Oh, yeah. Jane. It was like a fever dream. 
Uh, come on. Like, if I would have woke up at seven and been like, I had the greatest dream of my life. Uh, she's possibly one of the coolest women I've ever met. Not surprising. Like, nothing about how great she was is shocking. But you're just like, oh, God, this is so important that you actually are this cool. And she's just so good, and there's just nothing sticks to her. And she she had an amazing story. The first day we worked together was that scene in her apartment when I storm in and kind of blessed her through. And she said, you know, I hadn't thought about this in 20-some years, but my husband and I were at a book party in Manhattan 100 years ago. And she said, all of a sudden, this person came in and kind of was like, walking through conversations, and she's like, it wasn't that she was loud, it was just disruptive, and kind of moved through the party and was like clearly like not liking anyone and like shoved through and then got a bunch of food, pounded a few drinks and like shoved through again and went and left. And she said she looked at who she was with and she was like, who the hell was that? And they said, that's Lee Israel. <laughs> and she had not thought about that or placed it I mean, it's crazy, right? I mean, and she's like, I literally have had this scene, I think it was a good 20 years, 25 years earlier. And then we shot that scene. I thought, oh my God. That's chilling almost. All right, uh, uh, question right over there. Do you have a question? Yeah, you. Yes. (laughs) Have you ever forged a note? That's your question. But it's a good question. Yeah, I wrote my mom's name on like a note. And then the next day I was like, oh my God, I just lied to the nuns. But then thinking about it later, I should have been like, they don't know what her handwriting looks like. But there was a lot of like sweating and like, I swear if I don't get caught, I'll never do it again, which I did. You have a question, yes. You. Um, hi, thank you so much, both of you. Great, great, great movie. Um, it's not really a question, it's a comment. I think you have to get ready for some major award now. The characters were so real, the connections were so real, including New York. I just was awed by the whole thing. And we didn't dislike these characters. We fell in love with Mm -hmm. you immediately, and we were on your side. And we would have killed that cop for you. (laughs) Thank you. That's incredibly nice, and uh, it means a lot. I think it's really important that, at least for me, as a as a person and a mom and an audience member and in all the weird parts I am, that people can still watch movies just about people, and we can feel that that we're tethered. Like we we know these people, we f- have these feelings, we are these people, and I think it's it's nice to hear that. Thank you. That's really nice. Let's bring it back to a question. You have a question? Yes. Thank you. The movie was great, but I want to ask you a question separate from the movie, if you don't mind. So, what, like 18 months ago, you, your Sean Spicer was cathartic? Yes. And I wanted to ask, kind of serious, but I wanted to know, because that was a while ago already, it was at the beginning of this administration, a lot of serious stuff has happened since, and how do you think about you know, funding in this environment? Like, what's what's funny? What do you want to convey? Um, you know, given how much time and how much trouble. So the question is like, well, how do you, you know, connect with being funny in today's day and age? Right. Um, I mean, ironically, I was 
while we were shooting this movie, I would go on the weekends to shoot Spicer at SNL while I was at, so literally like my weekend job was going to do that. Um, I think in terms of being funny when things are so grim and hate-filled and confusing, and uh, I think it becomes more important. I think it's why I did that part. It was not to, my intention was never to make fun of. Uh, it got so ridiculous because I said, I don't do that. I don't know how to, you know, impersonate someone. It's not my thing. And then there was more press conferences. Like, who, who knew that that, <laughs> that wasn't even going to be how, how crazy the well, uh, well depth got, which is not a saying, but well, we're trying it out. Um, but I wanted to hold up a mirror. I wanted to, you know, I guess somewhere in me, I still think, well, maybe if you just watch it back, like, I mean, I do stupid stuff all the time, and it's when someone's like, did you do that? I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, I think I did. I guess my hope is at some point, someone's going to go, oh, my God, what am I doing? And I think you need, the hate keeps building, which scares me as a person and someone, I mean, I have, we have two daughters. I think you have to keep making people laugh and see movies about real people where you're like, we're still all really good. I think the good outnumbers it. Maybe the bad is loud and scary, but I think comedy is, and comedy gets a hard rap. People, we're having a hard time right now, guys. People are hard on it. People, people, which I think is telling, people are so hostile to comedy. Well, they want somebody to come show up in a cape and throw a boulder at the bad guys and beat the shit out of them, and then they're like, oh, good, I feel good, goodbye. And what comedy does is it shows you what a lunatic and how horrible, but also how sort of secretly wonderful your Aunt Lucy is. <laughs> and that's what comedy does. And so it's just a tricky, it's a tricky wicket. I think that comedy's having a tough road right now because of, because of all the, the uh, things you're mentioning. I think if it goes away, it's a really scary thing. I, th I, think, the, I think the bad guys win. Not just because they do it, but because like, oh man, we have to be able to laugh at ourselves. We have to look at the good, bad, and ugly. And no matter and what political leaning it. you may have, you need to be able to sit in a room full of people and all laugh together. And if we lose that, we've lost everything, to me. Got time for one more really good question. You have a really good question? Yes. What is it? Yes? Um, uh, so we will be judging you. <laughs> On the quality of this question. Um, Ms. McCarthy, thank you so much. For, and Ben, thank you so much for coming in. Ms. McCarthy, you are amazing. Um, I don't have to tell you that. I think as an actor, you're always told what you are and what you're good at and what you are terrible at. So what have you noticed about your own growth as a character, as an actor, from Bridesmaids, St. Vincent's, to here? And you're hearing about maybe maybe some awards. I hope so. You obviously deserve it. So do you see it? Do you feel it? The the the, the question is how do you how have you uh, the, see seen the growth of yourself over the years? I think with I think I've got great parents. I also I'm 48. You know I've been around the block. Sorry. Um, <laughs> You know, I, th I think something's happened. I'm lucky with the same friends I've had forever and new good ones. And I'm, you're all things. You're great and you're terrible and people are going to hate it or love it. And if you concentrate on that, I try to never think about... You, I don't need people to 
like me. Maybe that's what I, I mean, you struggle with it. You're always like, God, I don't know where to put my hands at a party. I'm weird. You know, there's still like, there's all the, but the big stuff, I just think I can't make you think differently about what I'm doing. All I can do is kind of stay in service of the character and the part. And I don't read anything. I don't read anything online. I don't do, I do, I, you know, I do a little Instagram because I think pictures can be funny and usually not challenging and threatening. And I just don't care to get into it. But I just think I have to be able to look at myself and my kids and this one. <laughs> and having someone like Ben that Aww. when, truly, when, when things are tough and challenging is going to tell you when you're out of line or tell you when you're doing great and it doesn't matter. Like She's you, very rarely <laughs> horrible. <laughs> All you so, need is love. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. So, so two favors. Uh, first, uh, as we uh, make it out of here, just if you could stay seated because we literally have to run to another theater uh, like now. But the other favor, and it's a big one, is this. So... Can You Ever Forgive Me is in theaters now. We all love the film. How do you spread the love these days? Word of mouth. How do you do that on social media? So please go to Facebook. <laughs> go to Instagram. Go to Twitter. Uh, in the back, if you're still using MySpace. Whatever you want. Get it, hit Friendster really hard. Is that still Napster going? Friendster? Napster and Friendster. MySpace. I'm blowing up on MySpace, guys. <laughs> Please and thank you for supporting this movie. Just being here is like, it means a lot. Thank you so much, thank ladies you. and gentlemen. Thank you, so guys. Much. Thanks for listening to the Landmark Theatre's Q&A podcast. If you want to hear more conversations with filmmakers about the latest independent, foreign, and documentary films opening at Landmark Theatres, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit our podcast website at landmarktheaters.podbean.com. You can also check out our YouTube channel for videos of Q&As and other exclusive content. See you next time.